Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 113. This episode is brought to you by Squilt Music. Do you want to give your children a truly beautiful music education, but you just don't know where to start? The Squilt Live community is a vibrant group of children and parents who are learning a ton about composers, music history, music theory, instruments, and much, much more. You can let Mary Prather from Squilt teach for you, or you can check out their self-guided resources to do it yourself. We use Squilt in our family and we love it. You can find out more by going to 41more.com forward slash Squilt. And that is spelled S-Q-U-I-L-T. Welcome to episode 113. You can find the show notes by going to 41more.com forward slash 113. Today, we had a great chat with Chad Stewart. He's the author of the Britfield series. Now, You may not have heard about these books before, but I promise you, you are going to want to check them out because you know how hard it is to find really great, exciting uh, books for your kind of like middle schoolers to read. You know, it's hard to find really good ones that just aren't trashy or they're not pushing a certain agenda. Actually, Chad's books are super fun because they not only have an amazing and engaging plot line that your kids will love, but they are stealthily educational, which is super great for homeschool moms because you know that you want your kids also learning stuff while they're reading. And so they're going to deep dive into some history and geography and culture and stuff like that, that, you know, just on its own, they might not be too interested in. But as soon as they learn this in a book that they are super engaged in, your kids will not want to put it down. My middle schoolers read his first book a few years ago, and I will link to a review post I did of that at the time, Britfield on the Lost Crown. And now Chad is back to tell us about the Britfield series, what's in store, kind of the whole um, background of it, why he wrote it, what his passion is for education. And he's going to give a little pep talk to homeschool moms. He is not a homeschool parent. And so he's kind of looking at it from the outside in and he sees that we're doing a wonderful job. So some of you homeschool moms who are kind of new to this adventure, you're going to be encouraged to hear about the amazing opportunity we have to craft an education for our kids that is not based on that factory model of education. You know that I tell you all the time not to bring the public school home and try to replicate it in your homeschool. We have the freedom and the flexibility to do a much better job. And so I want you to be encouraged in this interview that we do have this amazing opportunity. Our kids are naturally creative and, you know, they love to learn new things. So embrace that and let's raise lifelong learners. So that's all to just introduce this chat I had with Chad, but I will link to his books and his site in the show notes because you can also get some free stuff to go along with the book. If you want to check out Britfield and the Lost Crown, he also has a study guide that will totally expand the learning. There's 
additional research projects in there, analysis, comprehension, vocabulary. There's so much you can use to extend the learning if you want to. So he has a ton of free resources and we know homeschool moms love free resources. So I will link to them all in the show notes, which you can find at 41more.com forward slash 113. Okay. That was a bit long-winded. Let's jump into my interview with Chad Stewart, the author of the Britfield series. Hello, Chad. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. Yeah, this is this is great. I I did read. I didn't read. My kids read your Britfield uh, first book, the Brit Britfield and the Lost Crown. They read it. I don't know how. When did it come out exactly? Probably a couple of years ago. It was officially okay. launched um, August 2019. So okay. So we probably read it around that time and they loved it. They're very picky. And when mom (laughs) says read a book, I'm not sure what they're going to say, but they did love it. So some of my uh, listeners may know who you are. Some may not. So go ahead and just give us a bit of your background and and even just the background of why did you write these books anyway? Sure, sure. Uh, Originally from Newport Beach, California, I was back east for 16 years uh, living in Wellesley, Massachusetts, where I did my undergraduate and graduate work. Um, I was a British literature major and European history major for my undergraduate work, which was great. Um, And then I got into um, investment and banking. And um, so really 10 years ago, I was was still in Boston and I was sent down to this sort of really boring um, seminar in Providence, Rhode Island for an investment banking company. And I started to drift and I started to doodle. And I doodled a simple circle, three lines, a basket, a boy and a girl, and I wrote the boy in the balloon. And I'm real simple. But for some reason, that idea really resonated with me. And I went home that weekend with all these ideas. And um, really on one piece of paper, I just started to write little bullet points of this story, which turned out to be Britfield and the Lost Crown, about two orphans, Tom and Sarah, both 12 years old. It takes place in present time in uh, Yorkshire, Northern England at Weatherly Orphanage, this terrible, horrible place. And Tom's been there for six years. And this is the year that he vows to escape, but he's not going anywhere without his best friend, Sarah. And somewhere along the lines, they commandeer a hot air balloon. And so it took me about uh, four years, 2,500 hours just to write book one. And then from concept and idea to actually launching it nationally, and now we're moving out globally, uh, it took me over 10 years. And so I always use that as a, we do a lot of school presentations. We've been doing presentations for the last two years across the nation um, at, at schools, private, public, um, you name it charter homeschool and uh, so i always talk about you know having an idea and the power of the idea and sometimes you have the right idea just not the right timing and sometimes that idea may take three five ten even 20 years and so i'm really letting people know personally you know from my idea and from a lot of hard work patience dedication discipline rejection um, frustration moments of doubt and despair that we finally were able to launch it and since then it's been um, it's been amazing it's uh, it's it's been an instant bestseller uh, it's actually one of the most awarded books in children's fiction, which is amazing and, and, and a huge honor considering how many books are out there and how quickly those honors were obtained. Some of them have been uh, first place gold medal mom's choice awards, which I thought was cool. Parents choice award, gold medal, first place literary classics and stuff. So so it's it's been wonderful. Our um, youngest reader has been seven. Our oldest reader has been 93. Um, and, we, and we know that half our audience are, um, are adults, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that young adult market. I think Briffield Lost Crown, it's definitely geared towards middle school uh, because Tom and Sarah are 12. Um, and we have a lot of kids, uh, younger kids that like to read up to it. Um, uh, but then there's that kind of... Um, bridge that you cross and you get into the adult market and they kind of love these types of books. It's a fast paced action adventure. I think what's unique about this book and the series, and there's a lot of reasons and I'll answer any questions, 
um, that we've done. And I had no idea that this would encompass, quite frankly, the next 25 years of my life. I mean, this is all I'm doing now. And it's now going to be a seven-book series followed by seven movies. We can talk about the movie. We're going into pre-production on the first film um, this summer and into fall. We're launching book two, Britfield and the Rise of the Lion, June 15th. Um, so we can talk about that. But I think um, I'm, I don't have kids, so it's very interesting to be writing this series. I've always had um, a great passion for education. Um, I've, I've had a great heart for um, underprivileged um, children and um and orphans and things like that. But I think what's great about the book is uh, it does three things. Number one, it's based in, in real time and it's based in reality. And so I think we're dealing with such a fictional world of demigods, you know, witchcraft, mysticism, whatever it is. You know, it's, it might be entertaining, but it's really removing, disconnecting the reader from reality. You know, I mean, it's like if you get into a bind, you cannot say a spell or wave a wand. That's not going to save you. And so I think having a series that's based in reality um, and you could you could call it, you know, sort of real fiction, um, uh, like all the places in England that Tom and Sarah visit, everything from Yorkshire to Oxford to Windsor to London, all places, all real locations. We tie in all types of history. So it's, it's based in reality. Number two, it's educational, which I think is really great. So the kids will be reading it and they'll be learning all about England. They'll be learning about architecture, art, culture, uh, geography. We've got three wonderful maps you know, in the uh, five wonderful maps in the book, which is kind of neat. It kind of gears them back in. We've got an amazing uh, website, Britfield Lost Crown website with over um, 400 pictures of England. So it's like, you know, you describe these things in the book, which is great. And, and I've had a lot of great feedback. It's like, oh, the descriptions and it feels like I'm in a movie. But you can go to the website and it's like, oh, that's what Yorkshire looks like. Or that's Oxford. Or that's what, what, that's what the inside of Windsor Castle looks like. So it's a great way to get them engaged in the story. Uh, we have interactive maps on the website so they can kind of zoom in and zoom out. So from an educational component, and we like to call it stealth education, because if you said to, to your 12-year-old son or daughter, hey, I've got this really fun book, it's really educational, they're like, no thanks, you know? But if you sit there and say, hey, it's a fast-paced adventure novel, they're great, and meanwhile, they're learning. And um, and then number three, I think that's the most important thing is it's really just based on family values. I mean, the whole, the whole story, the main theme of the story is family, uh, friendship, loyalty, courage, faith. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of ties into the whole, the whole series. So yeah, go ahead. It, well, I was going to say that does make it so unique. The fact that you have this site where you can deep dive and learn more about the places you're talking about. And like you said, they're real. They're not imaginary. They're not in a fantasy world. So I think homeschool moms are going to love that aspect of it. And actually it's like a fun thing to do in the summer. When we put away our formal academics, we take a summer break yeah. diving into your book because it does have that stealth education. Like you said, um, that's pretty amazing. So like anyone can access Britfield.com and that's where we find all the, the links and all that, right? There's a, there's just a, t- the, the whole idea, it's an award-winning website too. And, and I, and I, I dare you to find a better uh, book website out there, truthfully. Um, we, we, we put over a year putting it together. It's like a $20,000 website, but it's just amazing. We wanted to make it where it's just this, this fun, exciting place to visit. And, it, and it's sort of inexhaustible with resources. So it has over a mm-hmm. hundred additional pages of information. It's got the 400 pictures. It's got the interactive maps, walks you through the whole series. It's got all our, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of our media our interviews, updates, our social media, our blog mm-hmm. posts, um, all kinds of stuff. And then, and then we have um, a media kit. And then we also have the Devonfield Institute, which we could talk about, which is a separate aspect of this. But um, what's neat about this, too, is that um, we've designed an 83-page study guide 
based mm -hmm. on national standards for book one that's available to all teachers or really homeschoolers. It's got mm -hmm. a $30 value, but we just give it, we give it away. We give it to schools. And Briffield Lost Crown is already being taught in schools across the nation, uh, which is amazing. So we've, we've had major impact. Um, since, I, since, you know, the launch of this, mm -hmm. I ended up driving 9,000 miles um, over 23 states over 180 schools and probably more than 30 to 40,000 students that we presented mm -hmm. to. And so it's just, it's been, uh, it's been a huge mm -hmm. impact. And so it's exciting knowing that Britfield is being taught in a lot of these schools, because when Britfield comes in, another one of the, if you will, agenda guided books mm -hmm. that, that are compromising values um, is bumped out, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of, that's our long game. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're working with um, a potential partner right now, which we're really excited about. And they're doing a little pilot program. They're, they're, they've, They've been around for 30 years. They're in 55,000 schools, uh, but they, they've chosen Britfield as the main book for middle school. And so uh, their idea in the next two, two to three years is to push it out to all 50,000 schools. So that's that's, that's huge. Cool. That For us, that, that, that expedites things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it kind of yeah. takes, takes care of the school component, but that is the long game. That's and neat. then we, we've done some um, pre-releases of book two with just our fans in our schools. And it's interesting, like already... Uh, some of the schools that we've been to in the past, though, they're so excited. They've already purchased like, you know, 50, 60 books and they're already teaching book two in, in school. Mm. So, so that's really exciting. I mean, you, like you, you, you talk to a lot of authors and it's great and maybe they have a bestseller. They're doing really well. But the fact that their book has been adapted into schools and already being taught, that's, that's almost mm. an impossibility because it's, there's, there's thousands of titles to be chosen, right. you know, to be chosen, chosen. Yes. So, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So where can parents find that eight, that study guide? Is that, um, is that a yeah. hard copy or is that a digital thing that they get on your it's a, it, Yeah, it's a digital, um, uh, we sell it on Britfield.com, but if you go to the Britfieldinstitute.org under resources, uh, you can download it for free, which is, okay. I think is phenomenal. So, yeah. um, so it's there. You can download it as a PDF. And it's really, it's perfect that way because, um, you know, you can print the whole thing out, but you might want to just print chapter by chapter or, or right. however you want to do it. It's, it's great for teachers because they might want to print first. If you have a book, it's like, what are you going to do? Like yeah. photocopy everything. So right. we also have all types of additional resources. We're, we're a huge component of creativity and bringing creativity back into the classroom, which is part of this whole focus and tour. Um, and so there's a lot of great creative creativity resources. We have great quotes, like with really neat pictures. So you can kind of pick a favorite quote, download it, put it up on your wall. Okay. We've got like 33 different creative exercises, um, 13 or 14, uh, creative games. Uh, so yeah, so there's just a lot of free resources there at the end. Okay. That's awesome. Homeschool moms love free resources. So we'll definitely <laughs> link to it. We love that. And I also notice, I mean, if parents just aren't sure, I notice you still have, you can get the first two chapters for free on your site as well. It is. Yeah. We've done yeah. that for book one and two. And so I think, okay. you know, like, it, 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 you know, it's, might it's, as well try it. The, the proof is in the pudding, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to say. For so sure. it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this, so your first book, Britfield on the Lost Crown that happened in England, what, tell us like, where is it going? You said seven books, like where are they going to be set? Yeah. And it's interesting when I was writing it, you know, at first um, I, I was, I've been, I've been writing for quite a while. Um, I was more writing more nonfiction. I was, I was in the business world and consulting and, uh, strategy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's when I got the idea for this. So when I wrote book one, I was really, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking a series. Some people think, Oh my gosh, I've got this series. They've got it all worked out. I'm like, no, I just got some ideas. I literally thought it would be maybe 250 pages ended up to be almost 400 pages. But right when I finished it, I thought, Oh my gosh, this is a series because it feels like just book one brings you into the world. It introduces you to Tom, to Sarah, to this whole Britfield theme. And so um, 
so it's a seven book series. Book book two takes place in France. Book three takes place in Italy. Uh, book four takes place in Eastern Europe, Russia. Book five will take place in I, uh, Asia and China, Japan and China. Uh, book seven, uh, six will come back to South America, and then book seven will come back to the United States. So it's really kind of a world tour, which I think mm-hmm. is exciting. Um, in each book, Tom and Sarah get o- one year older. So in book one, they're, they're 12, and book two, they're 13. Uh, book two uh, is, is now obviously finished. Uh, it took me five years 3,000 hours to write and finish, and um, it's 474 pages, and Thomas Sarah 13. And then I'm, I'm just now close to finishing the, the, the third, first draft of book three, Thomas Sarah 14, and it takes place in Italy. And so that's really exciting. And so I love, I mean, for me as a writer, number one, it's it's funny. I, I think book two is better. I love book one. Book one's always my, if you will, Star Wars, you know, like the original Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, which one do you like better, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back? But it's always, it's always the original, but but book two, I think I, I love book two. Book two is intense, um, a lot more action, a lot more character development. And uh, it's kind of like a movie in the sense that like how much character development can you really do in a, in a two hour story or in, in this case, a book? You know what I mean? And so it's, that's what's fun for an author. As the books continue, you can go more in depth. You can you can bring in back, you know, past history. Um, you can bring back characters. You can introduce new characters. But I love doing the different countries, number one, because these are places that I have visited that I love. And so for me, it's, it's my, my, the whole Brifield series is to share my love of these wonderful countries. It's never like a negative. It's like, it's in England, but England's terrible. It's like, no, it's wonderful. I love the people, the locations, the history. Um, and the same thing with France. It's like, and so that's kind of fun that every new location becomes a character. And so it's great because you can work off of it. It's like, it's like, well, you know, what scene am I going to write next? And so, well, I'm in Paris, where would they want to go in Paris? It's like, well, the Eiffel tower, right? You know, it's like, that's a key spot, right? And um, same thing like with like Rome, of course, like right now, I'm just finishing up Rome and they're obviously where Vatican City, you know. So it's like and like every scene just creates. So and I wonder what's under St. Peter's Cathedral. Right. And you get into the, all that and the secret library. And so I have a lot of fun with that and, and bringing in all these different cultures and, and, uh, and locations. And, and it's very different. Yeah. But that, no, that's awesome. And then you mentioned movies, which sounds almost like too good to be true. <laughs> like, when do you expect that? Like, is that coming soon? It is. It's uh, it's always been a focus. I mean, we've got a um, uh, this is this is ten years in the making. So so a lot of people are like Briffield never heard about it. It's like, well, we've just been rolling out. You know what I mean? I mean, so I know we launched book one August of two thousand nineteen. Um, but really, you know, we got kind of, kind of lost in Christmas. We came out strong in 2020 and then guess what happened? You didn't just have a national shutdown. You had a global shutdown. So, uh, but needless to say, it's like now we're rolling Britfield out into other countries. We're in Canada, we're in England, we're in Germany. Now we're just about to do a two book deal with a major country in Europe. So it, it just, it, like anything, it, it doesn't happen in 12 or 18 months. It takes mm-hmm. years and years to build this, um, momentum. So, but uh, but no, it's always been a it's always been a focus on the movie. Uh, it'll be seven books, seven movies. Um, we're hoping to go into pre-production probably um, August or September of this year. Pre-production is sort of when you start to sit down, organize your team, put together the business plan, which we basically already have the marketing plan for the movie. Put together your your dream cast of characters. Um, and that's a whole process. We can go deeper if you have time, but you know, they get the casting agent and then they, they, you know, send letters to and see if they get, if they're interested, um, locations, you know, we'd like to shoot the whole thing in England or most of it, uh, it doesn't have to be, 
but um and, and like a lot of movies like you'll see a movie and it's like an opening shot of london and you're like oh great and then all of a sudden they're walking on this cobble street and it's shot in romania so uh and a lot a lot of new york scenes are shot in toronto canada right. they, yeah. they call they call canada um hollywood north yeah. but um i just think i think you know, I think they could do a great if we, they could if the country could do a really good deal with us in tax credits. We would love to shoot the whole thing in England, work with the British actors, and just you know be on real locations. I mean, I doubt we'll be inside Windsor Castle, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. Like that will be interior shots at one of the British studios and stuff. Yeah. But just all you know, all the locations, the chases. I'd love to be shooting at Oxford. I just think it would be a lot of fun to have that authenticity. So we're putting together the team now. I met with a, a wonderful producer some of this i can't i cannot talk about until mm-hmm. it's released uh who has a, a a great history he he was introduced to britfield last year loves it sees it as as the um as a, as the major major um it's just a great story it's a timeless classic mm-hmm. and and what's great about it is it's not an american classic it resonates across the world it's about family friendship loyalty and courage so there's no kind of hidden agenda mm-hmm. or anything that we're trying to kind of push and so it, it just resonates but um, so I think we're bringing him on the team. We have two options right now, and we'll work that uh, out in the next two to three months. But it's either um, partnering with a major studio, uh, and we've got two wonderful opportunities. I can't tell you which studios, but one one has amusement parks, and the other was part of a um, massive uh, book series that did uh, seven movies. So, uh, so those are the two major studios. There's a possibility, or we go independent, where we put together our own team, and so. There's pros and cons on each part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might go major studio. Uh, it makes no difference because the quality, I mean, we, we own the rights of so the quality, mm-hmm. you know, the, everything, the, we have total quality control, if that makes sense. So it's not mm-hmm. like we would ever hand it off to the nut jobs up in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. No offense. Um, that would damage it um, or compromise it. And that's what they do too often. So uh, if we do partner with them, uh, they'll be working for us and with us, but not, not we won't be working for them. So that's really, really exciting. Um, I've already got a budget in mind that uh, the film will be done for. What's nice about it is, is there's not a lot of CGI um, or, or explosions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or things like that. CGI meaning stuff you've got to create. And, and they're so refined now. It's like it's hard when you're watching a when you're watching a program it's like is, is that street real or not you know what i mean just don't, you don't know anymore but um but set aside from the from the wonderful balloon scenes mm-hmm. in, in book one and, and the chases um it, most of us kind of you know it's it's all it's all straightforward so it's not it, movies co- tend to cost a lot of money but it's not an expensive movie so mm-hmm. it's not like a james bond movie or something right. you've got to, you know the chases and explosions and you're all yeah. over the world and yeah so that sounds amazing. We're going to keep an eye out for that because, I mean, my audience of homeschool moms, we are looking for this content that is that is family-oriented and wholesome, and it's those traditional values that we do want to promote, and that's what we want our kids to be reading. So your movies and, of course, your books, they're just exactly what we're looking for. So definitely, we will put links in the show notes because I know moms who haven't checked them out are going to want to look into them, especially this summer. Now, you mentioned like you had spent, you've spent a lot of time crossing the country, speaking to school students. You said, you know, public school, private school, homeschool. So you've, you've met thousands and thousands of schools and kids. Um, What's the message you've been sharing with them? And especially as related to, I know you've been talking about creativity and that kind of thing. Can you share a bit of what you've been telling them? Yeah, and I'll just go back real quick. I think what's so great about Briffield, as as we've already uh, voiced um, on the program, is is that it is it's perfect for homeschool moms. It's tailor made. It's it's there's a massive massive gap in the market for wholesome. 
books mm-hmm. of redeeming qualities. And, and the mainstream publishers, they, they, they cannot fill that gap because they don't know how to. They've got to compromise. It's always the agenda mm-hmm. uh, or the darkness of the story. And what's so great about Britfield is it's like, hey, thanks, because it's like there's just a huge gap that we're filling. And that's why, I mean, we've scored like a 9.03 out of scale, 1 to 10 across the board with all, all reviews. I mean, just, I mean, we get constant reviews um, from kids, from parents, all unelicited because because we've delivered a product that they love you know and it's great it's wholesome it's fun it's exciting the kids like it um we've also noticed it's it's got a great thread um for those that that struggle with reading so it's not to say it's 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 a it's a great read and we've had 12 year olds that have read it in five hours um but it's a complex read it's got great vocabulary but it's just a way that it's written and it's it's really my style and it's also it's also based on um, the three-act structure or a screenplay for a movie where the scenes are really, really tight. Um, but a lot of, a lot of people that struggle with, I, I just talked with a um, librarian from Colorado and we were at her school a couple of years ago. We just did another virtual presentation, which is what we've been doing now. And she's like, I can't keep the book on, on, you know, on the shelf. The second it comes in, it's, it goes out. But she says a lot of students that struggle with reading, I recommend Britfield and it's just, and, 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 and they, they get right into it. And so I think that's really exciting, but um, no, it's, it's interesting with the tour because we've been to so many different States and uh, it got cut short. I was actually in, in Memphis, Tennessee, March of 2020 when everything happened. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to have to come back home now. So, uh, and it's hard because I drove all that distance, but, uh, and we've been, we've been everywhere. We've been to, um, we were at a wonderful homeschool group in, in Reno, uh, Nevada on a farm. I loved it. And I have a great story. If you want to return back to that, um, charter schools, you know, Catholic, Christian, uh, private, public, you name it. And, um, and yeah, so the presentations are always really, really exciting. I mean, I talk a little bit about Britfield, but it's not there just for 45 minutes to promote Britfield. It's, but it's the idea of Britfield. And for me as an author, how I had an idea and all the creativity and energy and time that it took. But our, our main theme is really two things. It's, it's, um, it's creativity and the importance of creativity and storytelling. And so I'll talk about writing and I actually do kind of like a, a, a mini little writing workshop uh, with the students or the, the class. I mean, sometimes we're in front of 400 students um, and I know the teachers love that. They're like, yes, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like teach them about writing. But it's really about storytelling. And, and, um, and I'm very, very honest. And, and, you know, children, especially at that age, you could sort of say from 10 to 12, um, uh, 9 to 13, uh, they know that they know the difference between someone that's trying to pitch or sell them something mm-hmm. and someone that's authentic that really cares. And so I think I come across because I'm very caring. I'm there for a reason. I, I care about them. Um, I think all of them are, are wonderfully talented and, and individually creative. And I let them know that. I think a lot of kids, uh, I know there's a huge push in the educational system, and that's a whole other discussion if you want to go down that route, that's really destroying creativity, destroying, destroying critical thinking, communication, destroying basically everything that, that these wonderful children are born with. Mm-hmm. These unfortunately horrible indoctrination schools and programs and, and platforms are trying to sort of spread it out and get this sort of hive mind or group mentality, which is going to destroy um, not just education, but destroy America. So I let them know. I let them know they're all born creative. And I say, you might not feel creative right now, but you, you do have a talent and a gift. And, um, you know, like, like I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't born a writer, you know what I mean? But I found that gift and now I'm doing that for the rest of my life and I'm enjoying it. But I think what I also let them know is that in a flashover substance society that we live in, 
that every overnight success takes between one to two decades. And I say the difference between a hobby and a profession is about eight to 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. And that's very true. And I'm letting 12 year olds know this, you know what I mean? And I'm giving them great examples. I'm telling them about things they can relate to, like George Lucas, when he first had a script for Star Wars, uh, was rejected by every single producer and director in Hollywood for years. They thought it was a silly movie. They thought it was stupid. They thought it wouldn't succeed. Gee, were they wrong? Um, Pixar, you know, the most successful animation company in the world for 10 years as they were putting together their company. Nobody wanted to invest in it. Nobody thought it would succeed. What do you know about writing? So I use things they can relate to, like Toy Story was their first movie. Hollywood was was sitting there waiting for it to be released and, and laughing behind the scenes, thinking it would be a massive failure. And it's actually the most successful animated series in cinematic history. Uh, Star Wars is the most successful movie um, uh, or, or franchise in, in, in history. Um, the first movie lo- launched in 1977 is the third highest grossing domestic film in cinematic history. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's I, I, you know, I let them know that like, when you have an idea, you will be rejected. Um, it is hard. And, um, and some of the wonderful questions that I get in at the end means that it's resonated with them. And they're like, what was the hardest thing you went through? Or um, did you think you were going to fail? And I give them honest answers. You know, I say, I've hit walls. Uh, I've, been, I've had moments of depression. I don't go into it. But you know what I mean? I let them know. It's like, hey, it's, I didn't have an idea. Write it. You know, I, I knocked it out in a weekend and then got a publisher and boom, it was out there. You know, it's just like, no, it was a, it was a long road. And I let these 11 or 12-year-olds know that. I let them know the importance of creativity. I know from our own research, we had the Britfield Institute and our main focus with the Britfield Institute is bringing creativity back into the classroom, um, especially and specifically with Title I schools, schools that are hurting, schools that don't have the resources. So it's not like we're looking for something, we're giving it. And uh, it starts with really just doing a great fun presentation. It, it, It also, we have like all kinds of wonderful workshops that we can bring into these schools, writing. We have a wonderful creativity workshop. We have um, we have a fun marketing workshop. Uh, we have all these really really neat programs. So we're kind of rolling that out parallel, you know, with the school tour. So you can have the prof- for profit, non profit, on both sides. But creativity, from all our research, is the number one most important skill in the world. And I've got all the data and all all the background. And it's kind of funny. And I've always said this. It's like this massive. Right now, as a nation, for the last twenty years, we're in a creativity crisis. Crisis. And there's a great book out there. Uh, by a doctor from um, William and Mary. She she wrote it a few years ago based on 20 years of research, <clears throat> and it's called The Creativity Crisis. And she shows specifically in 10 categories over the last 20 years how children have been de- decreasing every single year. And some of these categories is, is, um, is critical thinking, communication, creativity in general, um, original ideas, um, um, you know, group work, like in all these key topics of, t- of 10 specific areas, 20 years decreasing. And that is a massive, massive creative crisis. Where on the other side, you have all these statistics from things like the World Economic Forum. This is creativity is one of the top skills of the future. IBM did a research study of 1,600 CEOs across the nation. So what's the most important leadership skill of the future? Creativity. And, and um, I think it was 2019, creativity was the number one most desired skill on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, and that's like a global you know, um, network or networking um, thing. Most companies right now are hiring creative candidates five to one, if not 10 to one. And so it's not like they're asking you, are you creative? They're looking for creativity in your background. If you play a musical instrument and read music, at least one musical instrument, and you're applying to Apple, you'll be preferred 10 to one uh, or any of those social media companies because they know people that are, especially with the music or the creative background is, is 
they're used to solving problems. Uh, they look at things differently. They, they make, for whatever reason, right, based on research, they make better leaders. Uh, they're better under pressure. They're great at brainstorming. And so this sort of mathematics and this critical foundation and stuff, and it's just like pushed, pushed, pushed. And look, all that stuff is great. Science is important to have a little bit of science. Math is important. But are you kidding me how far they take math? I was... I was in I was in um, I was an architect for years and in banking and investment and I needed nothing more than basic math and so I I didn't need to know trigonometry it's irrelevant I mean if you want to go work for NASA which is a whole other flashover substance story but you know what I mean but I mean really it's yeah. just like and they push math 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 and it's just like are they teaching music well no music the arts is already the first thing and that is. That's the most important foundation they should have. They should have wonderful yes. writing classes and creativity classes and art classes. And you sit there and say, well, you know, I'm not a painter. I'm not an artist. It doesn't matter. It's how you perceive right. things. It's, it's, it's when you're involved in creative activities, what it does is it fires different synapses in your brain, which is great. And your brain is always interworking. I mean, there's a right side and a left side, and I get that, but usually it's pulling on all of it. And we're using our entire brain, this whole nonsense of mm. we only use 10% of it. That's just, that's a, mm. that's, that's a false narrative. It's not true. We use all of our brain, but we're involved in creativity stuff. It does other things. And it also helps relax us, takes away stress. It helps with depression, you know, and those that are, that are pushing their agendas in school, they know that. And that's why they're pushing creativity out. And so we are putting creativity back in. And so uh, it's just kind of a quick overview, but I, I can also give you some more stats. Let me, let me tell you these stats because yeah. these are the most interesting. It was okay. based on, um, on a uh, famous researcher. And it's funny, we're coming back to NASA, but um, George Land, I think was his name. And he, and he, uh, he did this 20 year study and he developed this, this creativity test for NASA because while on one side, it's great to have the critical thinking, the engineers, the mathematics, they needed a lot of creativity as you've seen in some of the missions to, mm -hmm. to think fast on your feet and to figure out how to put things together. Uh, and he used that same test and he started to, to, to test um, children throughout the nation. And it was over 20 years. And what he found is, is he tested five-year-olds and they were at um, a 98% creativity level. Just, I mean, little geniuses at five years mm -hmm. old. I just love that. Um, he tested them again at 10 and it dropped to 30%. And he tested them again at 15, it dropped to 10%. And by the age of the medium age of 30, it was at 2%. But just just that gap from five to fifteen, mm -hmm. I mean, you went from uh, ninety ninety. I think it was ninety eight percent, ninety six or ninety eight percent to ten percent. I mean, just brutal. And that's that's all education. It's the school, the system. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like it's like the constant push of wrong answers and like yes. right or you know that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And exactly. I think that's yeah, I think that's part of the reason of, of pushing the math because math is an absolute in the sense that one plus one is two. You yes. know what I mean? It's yes. never going to be three. And so they pushed, push, push, push this math. Yes. But, but they, 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 yeah. Well, you, yeah, you're talking to homeschool moms who veteran homeschool moms have seen through this. And that's why we love the yes. idea of homeschool because our kids don't have to fit inside a box. We can, you know, they can be free that what you're talking about, that creativity and curiosity, they are naturally born with. And when you stick them in a factory school model, yes. it does just school it right out of them. So, some of the veteran moms listening are like, yep, you're saying everything that I have seen in my own kids. But the yeah. new homeschool moms need to hear this because sometimes they feel very inadequate because they're told, well, you're not a professional. You can't teach your own kids. But truly, it's nurturing that natural love that's there. That's that's what's missing in the factory school model. Because you're right. Like, yes. we have to fit inside the box. You, There's only one right answer on the standardized test. And you're not, you're right. You're not allowed to think creative, uh, you know, creatively or innovatively 
Um, I saw some, like your, some of your stats that you mentioned, I'm going to go to back and write them down. They were amazing. Like even the fact of music education, like you're not, might not be a professional musician, but just the discipline of learning that music and being a musician is going to help. I've seen some similar stats with like Google when they say who they're going to hire and you'd think it's everyone with the coding and the STEM skills. And they're saying the same thing, like, no, it's problem solving. And it's, and it's all those things you mentioned, which, so homeschool moms need to hear all this because sometimes we can beat ourselves up and say, we're not, we're, you know, we're not professionals, but, um, what, what would you say to the homeschool moms listening then? If they're like, I love this idea of fostering creativity. Are there certain specific things they can do? Um, what kind of things can they do to keep that alive sure. in their kids? Yeah. And I think, um, uh, the Brickfieldinstitute.org is a great start resource, just in the sense that we've got all, all the stats that, that we, you know, are on there. So we, you know, when you go there, you can. We have a. We wrote a. Um, I think it's a ten-page white paper, uh, which is just a PDF. It's free. Uh, that kind of takes you through creativity, the importance of it. It quotes a lot of these things. We've got. It's a great starter for some of these exercises. Um, but there's a ton of stuff. Like we know it because we've had to. We've had to assemble our own box. We have. Um, um, oh gosh, I forget the title of it, but it's for, it's for Title One schools because we've been doing programs, and so we send them this wonderful box with all these different books, and um, and so there's tons of books out there like create creativity books on Amazon, you know, like creative exercises or like 101 creative exercises. There was one book that's just great, um, and it's like I, I we shipped it out, and I'm like I should have kept that, but it was it's like for writing, and it's like I think it's like 1,000 starter ideas, you know what I mean? So if you just do a little research, especially on Amazon. And just buy a paperback book or something. I mean, there's there's just tons of stuff out there that would that would get you thinking. Um, but I, I think no matter what, I think it's it, to incorporate, especially for homeschool moms, incorporate some type of creativity um, every week if it's mm-hmm. not already there. Yes, yes, you've got your stuff and your core stuff that you've got to do, but do some kind of creative exercise. It could be a writing exercise. Hey, you know, this month we're going to write a story. Um, and, and you just could work with a kind of a basic framework, maybe a three act structure framework or act one, act two, act three, and you talk a little bit about the characters. Okay. So where's it going to take place and why there and what type of the, what time of the year, the season, and you could just do this fun writing exercise and come through this whole story. Now I, I do this with schools. I do it within about an hour. We never, we never finish it though, <laughs> but it's fun. And I, and I, all I do is I throw up just that three act structure. It's a, it's a movie script structure with act one inciting incident plot point one. Uh, midpoint plot point two and then and then conclusion and um and and then i i get the the kids in groups like um never more than four or five six seems to be the tipping point but hypothetically you know like 30 or 40 so you get them into groups and they all kind of come out i say like hey we've got this uh we've got 50 million dollars to to put together this movie for paramount pictures it's kind of just the idea of the theme and i said we've got to come up with a with an idea we've got to come up with a story What's it going to be? Romance, drama, history. And so they all kind of work in their groups and they try to come up with ideas and then they pitch their ideas. We vote on the next, the best idea. And then I lead the class and I say, fantastic. Okay. So we're going to write this spy thriller in Russia. You know what I mean? So uh, what time of the year is it? You know what I mean? And we, and I just started asking, really what I'm doing is I'm just asking questions and, um, and they're, and they're thinking on their feet. And what I love about this exercise or this writing exercise is it's hitting the four C's. It's a very creative exercise. Uh, it's great with collaboration because we're all collaborating. It's great communication because we're talking back and forth. And it's critical thinking because I'm asking questions. Uh, well, so if it's done in the winter, you know what I mean? It's going to be really cold and that'll affect this or that. It's, I always say it's a difference if you're taking a summer, you know, if you're taking um, a camping trip to Colorado in, in the Rocky Mountains, it's a big difference between summer and winter, right? So now the, uh, now the, now the weather becomes your enemy. 
But uh, those are just kind of some ideas. Um, but there's tons of resources out there. I think the Bridgefield Institute is a great starting point, and we we offer a lot of them. We have, like I said, we have like 33. Um, I think it's 33 creative exercises. We have uh, 11, 12, or 13 games. There's free downloads, okay. and uh, I think it's done as an ebook. Um, or mm-hmm. yeah, we put them together as ebooks mm-hmm. and stuff. So so that's just a great starter point. But it's mm-hmm. it is absolutely crucial, and it's really our our point with schools is we're coming in there. We're, this is a long game for us, and 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 on on our current uh, trajectory, um, you know, in the next ten to twenty years, you know, we we'll have the ability to transform education in the United States. And you do it one student at a time, one teacher at a time, one school at a time, mm-hmm. um, where where they get to a point where they have to have creativity because they can't compete with the other creative schools. Mm. Um, so number one is about just letting them know that it, that uh, how important it is, and number two, it's giving them the resources sources mm-hmm. for it. But I will say this, if we have a, a minute to talk mm-hmm. about the homeschool market, because I think yeah. it's very interesting. Um, number one, as you well know, the homeschool market, I think it's, it's it was estimated at two, a couple of years ago, it was estimated at 2.5 million. Uh, and it's more like 5 million. So the homeschool yeah. market in the United States is about 5 million. Um, I think it's probably doubled um, mm-hmm. in, in the last year. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll go on to triple. So that's very exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. But 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 I remember in March, and, I, and as I was coming back, you know, like I had to drive like you know, all that way back mm-hmm. <laughs> across Texas to, to, to San Diego. And I was thinking about this, you know, because I was seeing all these schools shut down, and then and then and and, and it's, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot to figure out how quickly that was going to happen. And I was coming back, and I'm like, well, we still have some schools in San Diego, and all of a sudden, you know, boom, yeah. one canceled. And I said, yep, they're all they're mm-hmm. all going online now and offline at the schools. And I, and I was, I, so I kind of came up with this conce- conception that I would, I would pitch to some of my colleagues and friends. And I say, it'll be interesting when this whole thing is finished, this done, this quote unquote pandemic, how many students will be going back to school? And they're like, well, what are you talking about? And I said, I said, well, how many do you think it'll be? Do you think it'll be like 10% won't be going back, which is millions mm-hmm. will be 15%. And I was basing it on three things. One, Students would be coming home, and for the first time, their parents would be realizing what they're learning. I mean, the absolute horrific garbage and agenda that's being peddled and pushed at school. That would be that would be horrifying. Number two, how far behind they are in certain subjects that they were like, you're not reading that book, or you're struggling with that. And number three, that they could sit there and spend uninterrupted four, three or four hours and be done with their all their work for the day and have three to four hours to play, to pursue a passion, to do something different. I was basing it on that. And then last year, I started to see things and research come out that they were saying it's between 30 to 40 percent of students that will not be returning to school. Mm-hmm. That's a revolution. Mm-hmm. That is a homeschool revolution. And I am ecstatic and I am excited about it. I'll tell you something that I know from homeschool parents and homeschool kids. They're wonderfully educated, wonderfully educated. I've seen it because I've, I've taught with, I've talked with so many of them, but they're, they, um, they're better balanced. Um, they ask great questions. Um, they're well-rounded. They're usually far ahead of other students. In fact, by their senior year, they've already got, you know, I don't know, um, five or 10 pre, pre-college or college courses underneath their belt which is wonderful because it expedites this whole quote unquote model, the factory model that we're in. You're 18, you know, and that's, you know, so, so all 18 year olds have to be in the same, that's, that's your qualification. You're 18. So you all have to be in the same grade. You know, I mean, right. the whole thing is just, it's so silly. It was based on a, on a industrial model from the 18th century and it's never, it's never been updated. No. Our, 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 our national school model right now isn't damaged. It's destroyed. It's over. It's finished. Yeah. And, and what you see now it's done. And so it's exciting to see what's happening um, with this homeschool movement. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And and a lot of parents that are maybe just listening to your show for the first time is like, well, I can't homeschool. And it's like, and you know better than anyone. There's so many wonderful resources. Doesn't mean that that either your husband or your um, or the mom have to stay mm-hmm. home. You know, there's groups where you could drop your kid off, um, or you guys can exchange. Or there's so many different things out there, and so many different programs. And and we've had the the privilege of working with a lot of great um, homeschool platforms. Um, uh, Old School House is a great resource. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with that. But they've been they've been fun to work with. And yeah. so yeah, so I just thought that was that was interesting. And and uh, that was kind of my premise. And I was thinking like 10 percent, 15 percent. It's like wow, 30 percent. I mean, even yeah. if it's 20 percent, that's that's mm-hmm. like 10 to 20 million kids that yeah. are going back to school, which yeah. is awesome. I'm oh, glad. it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see they'll actually get educated yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying is is completely true. And I'm a homeschool evaluator in my state, and we have been swamped with new families this year asking questions and needing help. And Wonderful. it is amazing. And parents actually, it's, it goes back to they they've been told all their lives that you have to have you have to be a professional to educate your kids, and now they're learning. No, I actually can. I can just be the parent and educate them. I'm qualified, right? So uh, th- I think things with um, using resources like your books and stuff. That's gonna. That's just one little piece of the puzzle that can help give a well-rounded education. So this has been great talking to you. As we wrap up, I don't know, did we leave anything out? Is there any final encouragement for my homeschool moms who, you know, whether it's about Britfield or just in general incorporating creativity in their homeschool? Yeah, well, I think with Britfield is, um, you know, if you haven't read the book, you'll love it, um, even for adults. So um, I highly recommend it. And, and again, you could just do your own Google search, uh, Britfield Lost Crown, and you'll see just tons and tons and tons of wonderful feedback and recommendations. Uh, the series is designed uh, to not only entertain, but to educate, um, and it will be seven movies. Um, I, I wanted to share one closing story that was so yeah. cute, and it just personifies, I think, <clears throat> everything I was talking about. But um I had uh, one of our, our teammates, colleagues was uh, living in, in Reno. So she said when we were first launching, she set up, you know, like this wonderful, um, I think it was like six or seven schools in like three days in Reno. And it's like, when do you really ever get to Reno? And so I drove out there and it was really cool. It was a great drive. I think it was during March. So it was still like kind of cold with the snow. And, um, and it was interesting too. We were at some major schools, really good uh, public schools. We were at a couple of privates, uh, huge auditoriums. And then she's like, I've got this one school. It's a homeschool. It's on a farm in uh, Carson. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's just like, whatever. And uh, so I'm driving down, I kind of meet her on this road. And there's a really nice farm. And we drive in and it was so cool. And me, and again, too, I'm very observant as, as, as a writer. But it was so cool, because I'm watching all the kids kind of playing together, meaning like, you had the 16 year old that was playing basketball with the 12 year old, and the 13 and the 15 year olds. And they were just, they were all playing together. And they're all and, and I what I loved about the model of that particular thing is, is that it gives the the 16 or 17 year olds the leadership quality to look out for the 12 year olds. And it gives the 12 year olds something to esteem to, or to learn from the older ones. It's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we pull up and we park and all of a sudden this really nicely, you know, dressed 12 year old girl comes out. Her hair was kind of pulled back. She was very professional and she came up, she goes, are you Mr. Stewart? And I said, yes. And she goes, um, you know, like I'm, I'm Allison. Um, Thank you so much for joining our school. And she shakes my hand and I thought, my goodness, there's a future senator, <laughs> you know, there's a future like CEO of a company. I mean, it was just, it was so precious, but I think it just personified, you know, she had the, <laughs> the courage, you know, to come up and, and just the wherewithal and the, and the, um, the confidence and stuff. And it was just, it was amazing. And then when I was giving the presentation in kind of this library sort of room or setting, 
<laughs> it's all kind of like all these different chairs that are all sitting around and stuff. But it was just great. It was really cool. The questions were wonderful. And it was just, and then I, I had a meal with them, which was great. They're like, you want to stay for lunch and stuff. So it was really <laughs> cool. But, um, but I just think it was, it's amazing because I just, I watched it. I watched the dynamics of mm-hmm. what these kids are learning in this homeschool setting and the diversity and that it's not just the 12 year old homeschool people over here and the 13 year old, you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And oh, so yeah. um, I will say one thing too, though, uh, we're doing a writing workshop, um, which is exciting. We're doing it uh, June uh, 21st through June 20. Uh, well, it's Monday through Friday, June, June 21st to 24th. Okay. Um, it's the record. I mean, it's live, but they're also recorded. It's one hour pl- followed by Q and a. And it's, so it's Monday through Friday. And we did a couple of these last year. It was hugely successful. Um, uh, we had people from not only all over the nation, but we had, we had people from all over the world. We had someone from South Africa. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so anyone that's interested in writing, um, mm-hmm. and again, too, whether it's a student or adult, I mean, I had, I had a lot of um, younger students um, in the workshop. And, I, and, um, and I, had like, I had a retired pastor from New Orleans. I had a judge. <laughs> all these different people. Cool. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's presentation. So it's not like everyone sees yeah. each other and can communicate. Um, but it's really great. If, if anyone's interested in writing, I really highly recommend the workshop um, okay. uh, because it's a lot of fun. It's recorded and it's, I mean, mm-hmm. like, so it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like 20 years of experience yep. and uh, you'll learn a lot. If you're, if where, you're in, where can they sign up for that? Yeah, we have that. Um, if you go to the Britfield.com website, and you look under our most recent blog. Uh, it's just up there. We used to have, um, we used to have workshops, but then I had to replace it for book two. <laughs> so okay. like, yeah. I bumped that, but it's like, if you just go under blog and you see it, it's all the information's there and you can sign okay. up and, uh, signs, it fills pretty quickly. So, um, I mean, we've already gotten, we've already kind of launched it for the last couple of weeks and we've already got a lot of people coming in and it's fun. I've got, um, I've got someone from an, an air force base. I've got someone from Pennsylvania. I've got uh-huh. someone from, uh, Indiana, I got, I got them from all over. So it's really, really cool. Nice. That sounds amazing. We will link to that in the show notes. This has been super interesting. I know you've kind of been speaking to the choir here because the homeschool moms are like, yeah, we know what you're saying, but it's good for us to hear it from someone, you know, you're not a homeschool parent. So you're kind of an outsider looking in and saying, well, I see what you guys are doing. And you're kind of, (laughs) you know, we appreciate that kind of encouragement. And I think it means a lot. And your Britfield series is amazing. It's just what we're looking for. You're right. There's not a whole lot on the market like that. So um, I know parents are going to want to check it out because it does fill a need and we're looking for stuff like that. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out all the resources that we mentioned and you can find links to each one at 41more.com forward slash 113. Definitely check out Squilt Music if you want an easy way to add music appreciation into your homeschool. You can find that by going to 41more.com forward slash Squilt, which is spelled S-Q-U-I-L-T. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.